You're invited to one of our favorite holiday celebrations. Our annual Christmas tree lighting event is December 1st through December 3rd. Come and enjoy some hot chocolate, sing Christmas carols, listen to a reading of the Christmas story, and of course, participate in the lighting of the Christmas tree. You might even capture some family moments for this year's Christmas cards. This special evening is more than just festivities. It's a beautiful reminder of the true spirit of the season. This is a family-friendly event, so invite and bring everyone you can. Each Sagebrush location will be hosting their own services. To find out the schedule for a campus in your neighborhood, visit sagebrush.church slash treelighting or go to the Sagebrush app. For those who can't join us in person, we will be streaming the service online December 3rd at 5.30. Watch at sagebrush.church slash live. This is the perfect way to kick off the Christmas season. We hope to see you there. Well, we are really, really excited to have a Christmas tree lighting in a neighborhood at a sagebrush near you. And so if you're watching this on the stream right now or you're at one of our multi-sites, take a second, check us out on, on our website or on our sagebrush app. Find a tree lighting service in a, at a location near you. I promise you don't wanna miss this. This is one of my favorite things we do all year long. My family my, and my two little kids, man, we really look forward to tree lightings. So check that out. It's happening at most of our locations. If you're here in, at Riverside, your tree lightings are gonna be December 1st at 6.30 p.m. That's this coming Friday. And then that Saturday and Sunday, December 2nd and 3rd, those are your other options. Those two are actually going to be at 5.30 p.m. So uh, if you normally come to the Saturday service at 5.30 p.m. next week, next Saturday, that service is not a, a normal regular service. It is a tree lighting service. So go ahead, mark it on your calendars. Make sure to make time, make, make plans to be here for the 4 o'clock service and then just stick around for a few minutes until the tree lighting service starts at 5.30 next Saturday, okay? So really don't want you to miss out on this. It's such a fun time. Cocoa cookies, all that good stuff. So bring your family, bring your friends to, to tree lighting this, this week, okay? And then coming up next weekend, I'm really excited about this because Todd's gonna be back to start a brand new series called The X Factor of Friendship. I don't care how old you are, we're all trying to figure out out friendship, aren't we? So make sure, I promise, you don't want to miss the start of this brand new series coming up next weekend, all right? Now, with all that said, let's hop into the message for today. I want to start by asking you a question about, about you, because now Thanksgiving is over. It is now okay to officially, to publicly play Christmas music in public. It's okay to do that now. And with, with the beginning of the Christmas season, I want you to think back on your life for a little bit. Have you ever had a moment where you were given a gift that you didn't want? You know what I'm talking about? Like you, you got the gift, you, you opened it up, you <laughs> saw what it was, you looked at the person that gave you the gift, and you said thank you, but you lied. You weren't happy for that gift. This actually happened to me uh, for many years in my life. You see, back when I was maybe 10 years old, I'd gone on, I went on a hike with some of my cousins, and uh, as we're going on this hike, we turn a corner on the trail, and there face-to-face -face with us, maybe 20 feet, 30 feet away, was a giant 1,000-pound <laughs> moose just staring us down. And I'm 10 years old and, and there's nothing between us and the giant creature and this is the first time in my life in 10 years of living that I'm aware of my own mortality, that I could die death by moose, you know? I panicked, I freaked out. Long story short, I survived my near moose experience. I did, I made it, I made it out of there. And it made me think a lot though and I went running back home to my mom and I tell this story and I, I talked to her about, man, I'm realizing like the meaning of life and, and death. I'm like, I'm very existential as a 10 year old, okay? I'm a, a deep thinker. And I tell my mom this big old story and the one thing my mother took away from this story was simply this, that Tim loves moose. I don't. <laughs> but you can imagine what happened because I got a good mama. And so every year for every Christmas, 
and every birthday, I got something moose-related from my mother, okay? So I, I <laughs> it's true. I ended up with, with, uh, with moose toys, with moose, moose pictures and moose paintings. I ended up with moose figurines and statues. I, one year, I got a moose pillow. Who knew they made those? My mom did. And so she was, I love my mom. She was trying so hard to get me something that she thought I would like. And so I, for years, I didn't have the heart to tell her that, hey, mom, moose just isn't my thing. And now I'm 34, I should probably tell her, right? (laughs) Actually, there was one year, I remember I was 16 years old and I'm opening up a present from my mom and I am praying for socks. Not moose socks, Hanes. I would have taken Hanes socks, you know? It was a good exercise, though, for me in in gratitude, though, year after year. And that's why I bring up that story, because I think gratitude, especially in this week, this time of the the year, this season for us, gratitude is something that's kind of fresh on our minds, isn't it? I mean, we just, here in the States, we had a national holiday just this last week called Thanksgiving. But I wonder, if you're like me, if you took some time and you really thought about this last Thursday as you were celebrating Thanksgiving with, with family and with friends, I wonder, how much time did you and I really spend being grateful? How much time did you and I really spend reflecting all the things that we should be thankful for before we said a really quick prayer so that the food wouldn't get cold and we all stuffed our faces and then with a belly full of turkey, you sat down to watch the game and you were asleep by halftime. And that's Thanksgiving. Try again next year, right? I think on some level though, inside all of us, we know that it's important to be thankful. We know that gratitude is is a really important thing. Here's the question I want us to tackle today. What good is gratitude? Like when you really think about it, what, what good is, 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 is having gratitude for the things that God has given us? What good is, is really showing, taking the effort to show our thankfulness to other people? I know it's a good thing, right? You're probably thinking, well, of course it's good to be grateful. It's good to be thankful. I agree with you, but do we know why? Like what good is, is gratitude, especially when you and I, we live in a world that tells us to be anything but grateful, I mean, you open up your phone, turn on your, open up your news feed, turn on the TV, watch the news, and you and I are bombarded by millions of voices, it feels like, that are telling us, don't be grateful, be upset. Don't be grateful, you should be jealous of what he's got. You should be envious about what she's doing with her life. Don't be grateful, be outraged, be insulted. In the meantime, while we're hearing all that, here's the other message we're getting is that if you want to be happy in this life, if you want fulfillment in this life, man, it, it comes from the stuff you buy. It comes from the stuff you have. Merry Christmas. It comes from that, it comes from the happiness, comes from the the salary that you you might be making. Happiness comes from the relationships that you have. As long as the things in your life take care of you and feed you, the message is you'll be happy. And and yet, in spite of all of that, here's what I've, I've been looking up and seeing, that year after year, more and more people are diagnosed with anxiety and depression more this year than last year. We are one of the most unhappy people in, in all of history. These things aren't working out for us, and so I think it's interesting because we we're facing this problem, some people have begun to discover and wonder, is gratitude what's missing? Is gratitude actually the cure for us? Is gratitude the secret to happiness and contentment? And so because of that now, there, there have been a bunch of studies where they've, they've, done, they've made the data, the scientific data, to prove the, how good gratitude actually is. So I, I was looking, up, looking it up this week as I was getting ready for this, and did you know that if you practice gratitude on a regular basis, you actually live it out and practice gratitude while you do that, did you know that it also actually improves your heart health? Like your cardiovascular system gets better when you're a grateful person. Along with that, did you know that your sleep will improve? And I'm not just talking you, you sleep longer or deeper, it's a better quality sleep. You're more rested as a, a person that practices gratitude. 
And along with that, as you practice gratitude, your, your interpersonal relationships with the people you love most in this, in this world, those things improve. And so what does that mean for you? Emotionally and mentally, your health goes up. And as those things improve, as you practice gratitude, you can already probably guess what goes down, what, what gets less is things like stress and worry and fear and depression and anxiety And so now I've kind of started to notice this. Maybe you have too. There are a lot of podcasters and a lot of influencers that are all talking about how if you would just practice gratitude journaling and ice baths in the morning, that would change your life. I think that's interesting because as followers of Jesus, truth be told, I think this is something that we should have known for a long time. The gratitude part. I think the jury's still out on the ice bath thing. That's nuts. But look at what the Bible says about gratitude for you and me in the book of 1 Thessalonians. It says this. It says, rejoice always. Pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. To hear those words always, continually, in all circumstances, be thankful, give thanks, be a grateful person. Why? Because God wants your gratitude. This just makes sense with who God is, right? When you look at, at, at the entire Bible, when, when you look at all, every verse in the Bible, God never, com, never calls his people to bring their, their groaning and mumbling and complaining and grumbling to him, right? In fact, it's the other way around. Usually when people grumble too much at God and they forget all the good things God has done, usually it kind of bugs God. He gets frustrated. He gets annoyed. And, and that makes sense because if you're a parent, you don't like it when people grumble at you either, right? If you're the parent of teenagers or little kids, they grumble at you all the time. In fact, I've got a four-year-old and a six-year-old, and I love my kids most days. Just kidding, I love my kids. But they grumble at me about the littlest of things. Like, for example, just a, a few weeks ago, my wife was working late. I'm terrible at cooking, and I knew I had to figure out dinner. And so the easiest thing I could make was mac and cheese. What child doesn't like mac and cheese for dinner? My kids. They complained. They grumbled. Do you want to know why? Because it it's not shaped like unicorns and Paw Patrol. I didn't know. And so a week later, I'm going, okay, they don't like dad's cooking. Fine, I will pick up the king of pizzas. I'll pick up a pepperoni pizza from Dion's. You can't complain. It's Dion's. I get home, and sure enough, my kids complain and grumble about the pepperoni pizza because they wanted pineapple on it. And that's wrong. Just wrong. But if you think about it, just like a good father, God wants you and I to live lives of gratitude. He wants us to be grateful, grateful in all circumstances. Now, this is what I want us to think through tonight because I think God wants us to be grateful, not just because it does something for us. Here's what we're gonna see. When we practice gratitude, it does something inside of us. Let me show you what I mean. There's a, there's a moment in the life of Jesus where he's traveling between a couple of towns. He's, along, he's walking along the road, and as he travels, he encounters 10 guys that all, all have a terrible disease called leprosy. And this really is an awful disease during this time. It would cause numbness. It would cause lesions. It would cause infections. Eventually, the, the disease would spread all over your body and into your brain, killing you. And there was no cure during this time. So if you contracted leprosy, you got to hear this. It was a death sentence. But worse yet is that it was also highly, highly contagious. So when you got leprosy, you were kicked out of town. You were exiled to, to the wilderness, to, to the to outside of town, so you were cut off. Imagine this, you're, you know you're gonna die, and you don't have family, you don't have friends, you never get to see your kids or your, or your husband or your wife again. The, the people you grew up with, you're cut off. Can you imagine the desperation in, in the hearts of these 10 guys as they see Jesus and maybe they've heard of what Jesus is like. They've probably heard of the things that Jesus can do. And so can you imagine the desperation inside of them when they see Jesus walking along the road and they beg him for mercy. They beg for Jesus to heal them. And so Jesus gives them instructions in response to this. He says, you need to go back into town, guys. 
walk back through town, show yourself to the priest, and you'll be healed. Now pause it for a second. Imagine the amount of faith this takes these guys to do. Because they know they've been banished, they've been kicked out of town on the threat of death. They know that they might be killed as they walk through town. Imagine the faith it takes these guys to do that. The amazing thing is they do. I imagine they have some sort of conversation with, with each other where they go, listen, you got leprosy, I got leprosy, we don't have a shot here. I mean, we're, we're, we're just out of luck on this one. I mean, if, if we don't die today when we walk through town, we're definitely dead in a couple of months here. Let's give it a shot. They're desperate. And so all 10 of these guys with leprosy, they walk back through town, hoping and praying that Jesus is gonna come through. And by the time they make it to the priest, Jesus does exactly what he promised to do. By the time they make it to the priest, they're healed. The leprosy is gone. And put yourself in their shoes for just a second. What would be the first thing you thought of? In that moment, when you found out that you were healed from leprosy, what would you think of first? Rather, who? Who would you think of first? You would think of your family. You would think of your husband, your wife, your kids. You would think about how you just got your life back, right? Can you imagine the joy, the happiness welling up inside of these guys, the gratitude that's, that's overflowing from these guys? Can you imagine out of all 10 of these guys, how many of them went running back to Jesus to say, thank you? Well, the Bible tells us how many come running back to Jesus. It says this in the book of Luke. It says, it says one of them, one of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus, shouting, praise God. He fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. And this man was a Samaritan. So we got our answer. Out of all 10 of them, all 10 were healed. All these guys, I think, were fairly religious. They were all obedient, and they all did what Jesus said to do. And so all of them were healed, but only one came back. Only one returned. And I want to be clear here. I, if, I'm, if I'm a betting man, I'm guessing, I'm betting that the other nine guys that don't come back to Jesus to say thank you, my guess is that on the inside, they're, they're thankful. I, really, I think they're thinking really nice thoughts towards God right now. I'm sure they're really thankful on the inside. And I would bet that maybe all nine of these guys probably even shouted and exclaimed, thank God, before they went their own way, before they went back to their old lives. I'm sure that all nine of these guys had what we've all heard of. They all had an attitude of gratitude. And we like that phrase, an attitude of gratitude, because it rhymes, right? Must be good. But the question we're asking today is, what good is that? What good is gratitude if all it does is stay in your head? What good is gratitude if all it is is just, is just lip service? What good is an attitude of gratitude? Because that's all it is. It's just an attitude. It's just a feeling that you and I can work on and, and muster up. It's something that we can read about in a self-help book. Friends, that's not good enough. That's not gonna do any good for our lives. You see, I think genuine gratitude, and you've experienced this in your own life with other people, genuine gratitude, it might start in here. It might start with an attitude change, but genuine, real gratitude, it should lead you and I to move, to take action, that's where gratitude, get this, has to go if it's gonna be any good. It has to move us to action. And I love this. We have this perfect example, this really good example in the one man that does return to Jesus. He is so moved by gratitude. Get this picture in your brain. He's moved by gratitude for what Jesus did for him that he changed his direction. Once he was healed, he didn't go back to his old life. He came back to Jesus. And look how Jesus responds to the one that comes back. It says this in the next verse. It says, Jesus asked, didn't I heal 10 men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? 
Now, these are what you call rhetorical questions, okay? Jesus can do the math. He made the world, right? He can do the math. He knows he healed 10 guys. He knows where the other nine are, and he knows they're not coming back. Jesus also knows that out of those 10, that the one guy in front of him, the Samaritan, which is the Bible's way of saying this guy shouldn't have known the right thing to do, but he did it. Jesus knows that he is the only one that is going to return to say thank you. So I have to ask you and me a really hard question in this story. Which one are you? Which one are you? Are you the one that returns out of gratitude to Jesus? Do you come back? Or are you and me, are we just like the nine? We take the good things that God has given us and we think good thoughts towards God. We have a good attitude towards God, but we, we're running our own way. We're running our own direction. Because the reality that I see in this story is that God wants your gratitude and I want to be clear about this too. God wants your gratitude. He wants, it. he wants it from you, but note this too. He wants it for you. He wants, he wants gratitude from you, but he also wants it for you. Let me show you what I mean. Look at the last thing that Jesus says at the end of the story. I think this is the most important part of the story. At the very end of the next verse, it says this. And Jesus said to the man, stand up and go. Here it is. Your faith has healed you. That's interesting, isn't it? Because the guy in front of Jesus, he doesn't have leprosy anymore. Jesus healed all 10 of them, didn't he? Not just the nine, he healed all 10, including the one that is right in front of him right now. So why does Jesus say for a second time, your faith has healed you? I think it's because Jesus understands that because this man has put his faith in Jesus. How do I know that? It's evidenced in the gratitude he's showing Jesus that he's put his faith in him. It's because he's put his faith in Jesus. Jesus is now saying, you might've been healed on the outside, but something else has happened. Because of your faith, because of your gratitude, you've been healed on the inside in your heart. There's one commentator on, on this passage that I was reading as I was studying up for this, and I liked what he wrote. He wrote this. Let me read this. He said, there was an extra healing for this 10th leper, for the one that came back. When Jesus said this about your faith healing you, he likely meant God's work within the man's heart. Here's the important part. The other lepers had whole bodies but sick hearts. Whole bodies, I'm good on the outside, but sick hearts. I wonder, if you were honest, would that describe your life? Would that describe your faith? Sure, you make it to church when you can, every now and then. I'm sure you got a Bible and you crack it open when the mood strikes, when you feel like it, when you can. And so on the outside, people would look at you and see that, that you go to church, you got a Bible, you, things are good for you. On the outside, you got a whole body. But on the inside, you know something's broken. Something's wrong. You know what I'm talking about in those moments when you're laying awake at night and your mind begins to race and you begin to reflect on the kind of person that you've become, you know something's off. When you think about your marriage, you know you're not the husband you ought to be, you know you're not the wife that you wanted to be. When you think about your kids, you know you're not the parent that you dreamed of being, you know things are wrong there. When you think about the rest of your life, you know you're not the, the leader or the person that you've always wanted to be. You would be honest with yourself and say, yeah, whole body, but a sick heart. Could it be in this story what Jesus is getting at? Could it be that the cure is gratitude? Could it be that the cure is to be grateful for all the good things that God has given you and done for you? In fact, let's go back to the question that we asked at the very beginning of this. What good is gratitude? What good is gratitude in something like your marriage, 
You say, yeah, I'm not, my marriage is not where I want it to be. Okay, let's think about this. What, could, what good could gratitude do for your marriage, for you, and for your spouse? If you took some time, maybe before you leave here today, to, to pull your spouse aside and say, hey, this is what I love about you. And then you list some really specific things. Maybe you take some time today to write all of those out. What could it do for your spouse? What could it do inside of you for your marriage if you periodically, you were intentional to buy your spouse a gift, to write them a nice card, to get them flowers, and not so that you can get something from them, not so that you can hold it over their heads, but, but just because, just because you are grateful that God put you together, united you with somebody that maybe you didn't deserve in the first place. What good could gratitude do for your marriage? Or maybe you're in here and you're like, yeah, I'm not the, I'm not the parent that I thought I was gonna be, that I wanna be. I know what that feels like. What good could gratitude do for you in your relationship with your kids? I'm sure you're like me and you thank God every day for your kids. That's good. Tell your kids that. Pull your kids aside. Look them dead in the eye and say, I am so thankful to God Almighty that you're mine. That he picked me to be your dad, to be your mom. What good could gratitude do for your kids? Speaking as a former student pastor, it could change their lives because we make and break our kids with our words, don't we? It would make you the parent you've always wanted to be. How about this on a practical level? What good could gratitude do at work? How would it change things for you and for the people you work with if if you spent time encouraging them and and thanking the people you work for, that work for you, the people that you work with? (laughs) How about this uh, for your customers? (laughs) Unlike most people in New Mexico, as they're leaving your place of work, you're leaving your place of business, business, what if you shouted out, hey, thanks for coming in today, and you actually meant it? That'd make a difference, wouldn't it? The question is, what could gratitude, what good is gratitude, what good is gratitude in your marriage with your kids, with the people that are most important in your life? What good could it do inside of you and inside of them? How about this on a, on a deeper level? And you know things aren't right between you and God. You don't have the relationship that you should have. And maybe, maybe things aren't like they used to be with God. What good could gratitude do for your relationship with God? And what I'm seeing in this story, the bigger question is, what good could gratitude do for the heart of God? Like if I were hypothetically to ask you, hey, you need to get God something for Christmas this year, what would you get God for Christmas? What could you get God for Christmas? Because he kind of owns it all. He's got everything. Well, he's already told you and me really, really clearly what he wants, hasn't he? He wants your gratitude. And what I see in this story is that God, he is not looking for an attitude adjustment from you. He is not looking for, for nice, kind thoughts coming your way from him or to him. He's looking for genuine, life-changing gratitude, the kind that causes you, like the 10th leper to return, that returned, to, to change the direction of your life. Gratitude that should cause you and I to say, man, in light of what Jesus has done for me, and like, in light of the way that Jesus has saved me, in light of the way that Jesus, through his blood, has paid the price for every wrong thing I've ever done, and I didn't deserve it, in light of that, I will come back. I will not go my own way through my time, my talents, my energy, and my efforts. I will move back towards Jesus. Gratitude that causes you and I to say, in light of my circumstances, no matter whether my health, my relationships, my finances, no matter if those things are where I think they should be or not, in light of that, I will be grateful. Why? Because I have Jesus, and he is enough, despite what I'm walking through right now. It's kind of like this. I was reading a story about Corey Ten Boom. She and her family back in 1944, they were arrested for their efforts to save Jewish lives during the Second World War. 
And at one point in their imprisonment, uh, Corey and her sister Betsy are thrown into a prison camp named Ravensbrook. And, and here they're put into an overcrowded, overpopulated women's barrack. Now it's overcrowded, not just in people and women in this barrack, it's also overcrowded because it is infested with fleas. And on this first day in prison, Corey writes about how on that first day in prison, they were able to, she and her sister could, had smuggled in secretly, they'd smuggled in a Bible. And so sitting there in this overcrowded, flea-infested barrack, they, they open up the Bible to, to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, the verse that we just read at the start of today, the one that says, be thankful, give thanks in all circumstances. And Corey writes about how her sister Betsy looked at her and said, Corey, we need to give thanks to God for everything, even the fleas. And in reflecting on that time, this is what Corey writes. She says this, the fleas? This was too much. She said to her sister, Betsy, there's no way even God can make me grateful for a flea. They argue for a little while, and then Corey, eventually she agrees. And so then she writes this, and so we stood there between tiers of bunks and gave thanks for the fleas. But this time I was sure Betsy was wrong. I would have thought the same thing, wouldn't you? But what was interesting for Corey and Betsy, for these two sisters, was they were surprised at how, how easily, how openly they could hold Bible studies inside of this, these, this, this overcrowded barrack. They were surprised at how easily they could read the Bible and talk about the Bible. They were surprised at how easy they could gather up with the other women and pray that the guards would not enter into the barracks. In fact, the fact that the guards wouldn't even come into the barracks means that these women were spared abuses that most of us can only imagine. It wasn't until a few months later that Corey and Betsy, they discovered exactly why the guards kept their distance, why the guards would not enter into the barracks. And you've probably already guessed what it was. It was the fleas. So if you stop and think about it, in that story, dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of women in utter darkness were able to see light in the word of God because of fleas. They were protected and spared because of fleas. And I want to be clear on this one. Corey and Betsy, they, they went one step further than what the Bible actually says. Corey and Betsy, they were thankful for their circumstances. They were thankful for the fleas. The standard God has for you and me in the Bible is to be thankful in. Not for, but in all circumstances. And so I want to be clear about this because I know too many of us that are walking through this right now, know too many people in my life that are walking through the awful, this awful thing called cancer, I want to be clear, God is not asking you to be thankful for cancer. But my question is, could you be thankful in it? Could you be thankful in the cancer? Could you be thankful in the sickness? With what you're facing right now at home or at work, could you be thankful in the disappointment? Could you be thankful as you wait for God's best in your life, as you wait for a certain someone, a certain person, the right person or the right opportunities? Could you and I be thankful that even though God isn't showing us everything that's coming around the corner for us, could we be thankful that in this moment and in this season, no matter what you're walking through, God is teaching you just how close you can be to him? Better yet, could we be thankful that in, in the hardest moments in life, God is teaching us how close he already is to us in the darkness? Could you be thankful in it? Because Corey and her sister were, they were thankful in it and thankful for it. In fact, let's play this out a little bit more. Let's, let's compare their circumstances in Ravensbrook Prison with where you and I sit right here and right now. Because every church I have ever worked at, <laughs> I have heard people grumble. I've heard people grumble about things that I think are silly. Every church I've worked at, I've heard people grumble about the chairs. Ah, oh, they're not comfy enough. They're not soft. They're not, they're not soft enough. They're not firm enough. You're sitting in mine. 
Heard that one? I've heard people grumble about the worship. It's too loud. It's too quiet. Wouldn't kill you to sing a hymn every now and then. I've heard people grumble about the coffee. Let me say that again. I've heard people grumble about the free coffee. How about this? I know this is going to be a shocker to a lot of us, but I've even heard people grumble about how that, that really handsome, bald, young pastor just isn't as funny as Todd. <laughs> but I do wonder in all seriousness, sitting where we sit right now, have we missed the point of all the good things God has given us? Because I read this story of Jesus and the ten lepers, and I worry I think it's too easy for you and for me to be like the nine that didn't return. It's too easy for you and me to take the blessings, the good things God has given us, and run. And truth be told, as a follower of Jesus, it just makes sense in light of what Jesus has done for you and me that it should make an impact on our lives, that we should not live lives with an attitude of gratitude, that we should live lives of gratitude in our thoughts, in our words, in our actions. See, as a follower of Jesus, I'm saying that the level of gratitude that is evident in your life is a great reflection of your understanding of who Jesus is and what he has done for you, the price he has paid to save you, to ransom you. So let's get really practical about this for a second, okay? Because Christmas is coming up. This is a season where we give gifts. And what is gratitude if not a gift that you give? So I want you to think right here, right now for you, how are you going to give gratitude this season? The people that are most important in your life, your family, your spouse, your kids, your friends, the people you love most in this world, how are they going to see gratitude in you starting today? How are they going to hear gratitude from you in ways that they've never heard it from you and seen it, seen it in you in ways that they've never seen it before? Are they going to get more of your time? Are they going to get more of your, your presence and your intentionality as you put your phone away and you actually change things in your schedule? What does it look like for you? to show them gratitude because the truth is just like Jesus was waiting for the nine to come back and show their gratitude to him, the people you love most in this world are probably waiting on us. They're probably waiting on you and they just haven't said it yet. Now I think that's a really great place for gratitude to go. But where should gratitude start? It only makes sense that real, genuine, life-changing gratitude, the kind that's good, it should start with Jesus, shouldn't it? And so I think back on our story with Jesus and the 10 lepers, and he healed all 10 of them, and that means all 10 of them should have come back, should have shown their gratitude to Jesus. Here's what hurts me when I read this story, is if I'm them, I don't know if I would have come back. I know I'm a pastor, but I don't know if my thoughts would have been very spiritual. I think my first thoughts after being healed would be for my family, for my wife, and for my kids. Selfishly, my thoughts would have been for my dreams and my purposes, because now I have my life back. And then when I get really real with myself, I understand I've already done that. I have taken the good things that God has given me and I've run. Have you? Because here's what hurts me the most is when I read this story, it makes me realize that Jesus' response to the nine that did not return to be grateful. His response, how did he react? He was hurt. He was grieved by them because he wants your gratitude. So how are we going to do this in a really practical way? What does it look like for you and me to give God our gratitude? Because he's looking for it. He wants it. I think we take, take, take a lesson from this story and realize and choose today that I will not be like the nine that did not return. I will come back. I will be like the one that came back. And I will have a, a conversation with myself where I say, man, in light of what Jesus has done for me, I won't go my own way. I'm not going back. I'm going to Jesus. 
You have a conversation with yourself where you say, let me look at my time, my talent, my energy, my efforts, the, th- the way that my life is going. I will change the direction of my life to go back to Jesus. So here's what's going to happen. The band's going to come back and they're going to they're sing one last song all about gratitude to God. And this is some space for you. This is, this is my heart in this moment for us. This would be a moment for us to sit back and to really reflect. For some of us to do business with God, to get things right with God. Some of us, let's just be honest, we're really thankful. We have good thoughts, good thankful thoughts towards God, but there are some things in our life that God has told us to to let go of and we're holding on to. It's time to ask God for forgiveness and to surrender those things to him. And in light of the fact that God is faithful to forgive us, then out of gratitude, we need to take some time as the band leads us in this song, we need to take some time to really reflect and go, okay, so what needs to change in my life? In light of what Jesus did, did for me, and what he's done for you, what needs to change? And how do I figure that out? You ask two questions. What do I need to stop doing? Here's a harder question. What do I need to start doing to show my gratitude? See, the reason that I say all this is because I want you to hear this too really clearly. God is not looking for your guilt. I don't want to guilt trip you either, but God does not want you to, to be motivated out of guilt. That is, a, that is an awful, that is not a sustainable, long-term sustainable motivator for you. Guilt will crush us, won't it? God isn't interested in your guilt. He already paid for that when he sent Jesus, didn't he? He doesn't want your guilt. He wants your gratitude. Because God knows that when you and I live lives of gratitude, we will walk that much closer with him. And that's what he wants. So it's time for you and I to stop taking the good things, the blessings that God has given us. It's time to stop taking those things for granted. It's time to come back to Jesus, to move back towards him. Jesus healed all 10. Nine left, only one returned. From this moment on, which one will you be? Will you be like the nine that did not come back and you have good thoughts and good motivations and good attitude towards God, but it has no claim on your life, you move your own way? Or today, will you be the one out of gratitude for what Jesus has done for you, the price that he has paid for us? Out of gratitude, will you be the one to come back because he He is the prize. The choice is yours. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, you are so good. I know we say that all the time, but God, we we can never say it enough. God, I know there are a lot of us in here that we are excited for the day that our faith is made sight, that we are in heaven with you, and that God, the Bible tells us that we will have all of eternity to sing about how good you are, to sing your praises, to shout our gratitude for you and what you've done for us. But Father, in the meantime, no matter our situation, no matter our circumstances, God, I pray that you would show us the parts of our lives that we've been holding on to, that we need to let go of, that out of gratitude to you, we surrender those over to you. God, in this moment, as, as the band sings this, sings, sings this song, God, I pray that this would be a moment where we do some really serious conversation with you, where we say, God, I love you, and out of, out of what you've done for me, I'll, you gave up everything for me, so I'll give up everything for you. What are you asking for? Show us, Father, like I know you are, like you're faithful to. Show us the parts of our lives that, that aren't right with you. Show us what we need to stop doing. God, show us the next steps that we need to take so that, God, when we get up out of this room, we live lives of gratitude that are different than everyone else's gratitude for Jesus and the difference that he's made in our lives so that all the world would know your great name. All the world living in darkness would see the light of Christ in us through our gratitude to him. 
We love you, and it's in Jesus' mighty and precious name that I pray. Amen. Right now, we're going to prepare to take the Lord's Supper together. And as we do that, we're going to continue to center our hearts, our spirits on this theme of gratitude for the cross and all that Jesus has done for us. Now, when you came in, you should have received the elements for the Lord's Supper. Right now, you're going to hold on to that. So we're going to sing this song first, and then we'll take it together. As we do that, like Tim said, reflect on if there's anything in your life between you and God that you need to get straight. What are some things you need to stop doing? What are some things you should start doing? Do that now as we listen to this song.
supper together. If you're not a follower of Jesus, first of all, we're so thankful you're here. You are in exactly the right place. You are welcome here. But we don't want you to feel any pressure to participate in the Lord's Supper right now. This is something that people who call themselves followers of Jesus do. Uh, the scripture says, the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread. When he had given things, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take the bread as a reminder of Jesus' body, which was broken to pay the price for our sins. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. So let's take this cup as a reminder that all of our sins, all of the wrong things we've done in God's eyes have been covered over because of what Jesus did on the cross. God doesn't see our mistakes. He sees the price that his son paid with his blood. this act be a declaration of faith. Let it be a reaffirmation of the gratitude that we have for his endless mercy and grace. Another way to declare your faith is to, at the conclusion of this service, in a few moments, head over to room 111, our first steps room, and it's there that we would love to have a conversation with you about your next faith step. To answer any questions, that you might have about what it is to have a relationship with Jesus. We believe that that's the best move to make. But if for some reason you can't do that today, you don't have time, you can also simply call or text 505-922-9200 and we can have that conversation with you that way as well. Now coming up uh, later this week, December 1st, 2nd, and 3rd, we have one of my favorite services of the year, the Christmas tree lighting service. And it's gonna take place on Friday, December 1st at 6.30 p.m. And then the following two nights at 5.30 p.m. So this is especially pertinent for you guys. If you come at 5.30 next week, it will be a Christmas tree lighting service. And so what we invite you to do, what we think would be a great plan, is you make plans to come to four o'clock service, stick around for the 5.30 Christmas tree lighting service, or take us up on either coming on December 1st or the 3rd, but just know this service will be something completely different next week. Also, Todd will be back. We'll be starting a new series 
X Factor of Friendship. We're really excited about that. We hope you'll come back. Thanks for joining us. Happy Thanksgiving.